Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. And I am joined today by Guide to the Unknown's own Kristen Anderson, who is joining me to talk about the 2022 movie adaptation of My Best Friend's Exorcism. So Kristen, welcome to the show again. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. You know, I love talking about this stuff with you. Oh, absolutely. We are both teen movie people, I think, first of yeah. all. Mm-hmm. And we've both read the book. Yes. Okay, what was your experience with the book? Uh, so I listened to it on audiobook. I haven't actually like read it in its written format, but... It was, I believe, back in the day, I could be wrong, maybe somebody out there will correct me, I believe, actually, before it got super popular, it was one of those, like, free titles on Audible that you could listen to when you had a membership, and the audio version came with an 80s playlist, which is super awesome, and it was just really well-read, and I remember... Um, just like blowing through it while doing work and making the days so much more fun and being alternately like had my heart warmed and grossed out and it just was like a very good very complete sort of uh, reading slash listening experience so I was a fan like right away. I think I remember seeing it on that audible library. Um, I want to say I read it physically first a few years ago and then I've read it three times and I think the last two times that I've read it I also did it as an audiobook but I did it through Hoopla um, mm-hmm. the library app and they did not have the playlist attached unfortunately yeah. um, in the book I think the chapter titles are song titles yes Yes, I think that's true. So maybe it was just like a compilation of all Mm -hmm. the song titles. That would make sense. Yeah. If I had been willing to put more effort into this, I could have seen if they used those in the movie. I wrote like a few of the songs that they used, but after after two, after two, I was like, I'm not paying attention to like what song they're playing in the background right now. This is too much. Yeah, you need to just be able to watch the movie Mm -hmm. and enjoy too. I find that with research, maybe you do as well, that like, There's a fine line to ride where obviously you want to document as much as you can so that you can talk about it later. But sometimes for me, if I over document, I'm taking too many notes. It's taking me out of it. So I can't really experience it in a way that's interesting to talk about later anyway. So it's always this like weird dance. It is a weird line because I do a lot more of that on Patreon because we do a lot more like books and adaptations. So I find up. But then it's like when I am watching the movie too closely and I don't write notes, I'm like, oh, there was like two scenes here where I just didn't write anything. It's like, so anyway, yeah. somehow we ended up here. Uh, stuff <laughs> yeah, happened unclear in between. How. I was riveted uh, watching the movie too closely and did not write it down. Yeah, <laughs> Let's right. just skip past that. Exactly. Everybody else will just fill in the blanks. Yeah. So did you love it off the bat, the book? I did. I really, really liked it. I think it did a good job of balancing like horror elements with you know this teen girl friendship and then the ending is just Mm. so heartwarming I've like I said read it three times and every time I read it and I get to that last chapter I do get misty-eyed and it affects me every single time 
totally i mean just just thinking about it definitely like gives me those like prickles behind your eyes you know it is just so sweet it is have you read other grady hendrick stuff i have um this was the first one that i mm-hmm. read um i think i've read everything except for and i know that this is bonkers because it's like arguably a lot of people's favorites i haven't um i didn't finish the southern vampire i can't remember what it's called you know what i mean you know what yeah, i mean yeah the What's it southern called? book club's guide to slaying vampires yes um so i'm a little bit squeamish gore wise particularly written gore i've noticed like really yeah like in movies i can sometimes like squint it away i guess but reading it and especially his writing so this is a compliment but also saying something i don't enjoy necessarily it's just like it's so evocative that it grosses me out so i remember i ditched kind of early-ish in that book because there was a scene that like super grossed me out and I just wasn't in the mood. Now I've read his other books and they have other gross things in them so I clearly have the ability to power through and I'm sure I'll return to that book someday but for some reason that day I was just like I can't do it with this dead raccoon I can't. (laughs) You're like this has crossed a line. Well that one too is a companion book to this one. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely does feel like it's like a spiritual sister. I think it's set in the same suburb where Gretchen lives, just like 10 years later. Or like oh, so a it's a years. legit companion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Like, I think it's I was the, just thinking... the Pirate's Cruise area that they live. Oh, all right. I was just thinking it was like the, you know, like friendship camaraderie of it all. But that's awesome. I love it when authors do that. I do, too. You know who used to do that a lot? I don't read her stuff anymore, but. In my teen heyday, Sarah Dawson, like she would have her little yes. background yep. characters and like you would catch little things. And I was like, it's a shared universe. <laughs> There's something about, I think, as a teen, like a shared universe in particular, because it can give you that like little spark of like, I noticed this. I'm in. I get it. I'm like part of them. Um, that is kind of essential for the well-being of a teen in a lot of ways. Yes. Yeah, where it's like this little, this Easter egg. And I mean, this was the early 2000s. So this was before mm-hmm. I think we had the cinematic universes that exist today, where I think it's a little more common. Like it was like the yeah. first time I had encountered this and it blew my mind that authors could oh do my this. God. Oh, it's it's so much fun. Like any sort of like Easter egg noticing for a while in the like, probably early 2000s-ish, I would say, before it was such a commonly known thing, was such a thrill. Like, watching Lost and noticing Easter eggs. Um, Even, like, the Harry Potter books, like, you could go on the website, um, RIP in my mind, that website and everything, but still. Um, And it would have kind of, like, clues about the next books and stuff. It's just so much fun. It is. All right, well, what did we think of this movie as an adaptation of a book that we both enjoyed? I mean, I thought it was fine. Um, I I think that the internet has taken, like, a pretty major dump on it, and I think it's a more major dump than warranted. Um, But I think that people are understandably, like, they take things personally when it's a book that they really loved. And so you're really looking for so much more from it usually than just any other movie. 
Um, and even though it's a book that I really loved, I was able to just sort of, first of all, just like take this for what it is. But second of all, I actually think that there being a little bit of an internet backlash worked to my personal advantage viewing it because I went into it with slightly lower expectations. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, this is a perfectly serviceable movie. Like, it's like a middle of the road. I wouldn't say avoid it. I wouldn't say like, you must see it. Um, Sort of fun horror movie, you know? What what did you think? I agree. I think as someone who is, a really big fan of the book I was a little disappointed that a lot of the charm didn't make it to the screen like there were things omitted that I think really hurt it and it really took Mm. away a lot of its emotional impact but I yeah I by no means I'm like this is the worst thing that's ever been done to me um I was looking at like the Rotten Tomato score and stuff and it's kind of sitting at 50 like it kind of seems to be like five out of ten like three stars everywhere that's and that's kind of where I am I'm like yeah all right yeah fine it's it's balanced out the the scales of reviews Yeah, right. Like early on, maybe it was like super negative. But now as more and more reviews have come in, right, it's starting to balance out. That sounds right to me. What I had seen initially was like extremely harsh. Yeah, I had been, we talked about avoiding reviews before watching it. And like someone popped Mm -hmm. up on my TikTok and was like, this was awful. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Which, yeah, I think like you were saying, helped us. And like, okay, I'm going to put my expectations really low then. Yeah, exactly. And if they're really low, like a lot of the times there's nowhere to go but up. And it certainly went up from what my expectations were based on what the internet was saying on like the day of release, which is when I watched it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's it's fine. It, it's not great. It, it could have been better. It'd be awesome if I felt like it was better, but it, it wasn't the worst or anything. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like it followed a lot of the plot points fairly closely. I feel like there mm-hmm. were good decisions made for things they decided to cut out that I'm like that was probably a good idea yeah but there was just decisions were made that cut out things that I think affected it in the ending uh but we'll get to that yeah like I think you said earlier something about it not having as much charm as the book and I think that's totally true it's like missing a little bit of sparkle in some way um the friendships aren't as deep in the movie or at least like you're not shown them in a way that helps you really get how deep that they are and I think because that's so many people's like absolute favorite thing about the book that's like the most memorable thing about the book to have that element be lackluster like really kind of dings it I agree yeah This episode is brought to you by Fangoria, the world's best horror and cult film magazine since 1979 Listeners can use code Books in the Freezer to get 20% off their order. That includes, of course, merchandise and first time subscriptions and single issues of the magazine. Not only are there tons of articles and interviews about upcoming horror movies, there's a regular segment by Stephen Graham Jones all about slashers called Slasher Nation. So you're going to want a copy. So again, that is code Books in the Freezer. And thank you, Fangoria, for supporting the show. Getting into the movie. Yeah. We open up with Needle Drop, Take On Me. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> in case you didn't know, we were in the 80s. Right. Yeah, just to establish the timeline. 
I think so. And okay, a lot of the reviews were like, we get it, the 80s, let's stop with this. And I'm like, this existed before, like, you got tired of it, chill out. And I will say one thing I also liked about the book is that it's critiquing a lot of the culture in the 80s, the absent parents and that, like, upper suburban middle class, like, religious sector. Yeah. No, it for sure is. It's not just presenting them. It's like commenting on them. Yes. And so it's not just like, weren't the 80s cool? It's like the 80s were cool, but there was also a lot of systemic issues. And that is why Gretchen could not get a lot of help, despite, you know, Abby making a lot of good decisions regarding her situation. She actually makes all the right moves, which you don't usually see in these books or movies. Usually, like, they just want to protect their friend's privacy at all costs, which is understandable, certainly. But, like, yeah, Abby's going to parents. She's going to, like, administrators Mm -hmm. and just getting, like, dead air from everybody. So what do you do? She is let down by all of the adults in this. All of the adults in this movie are the villains. Well, except. Uh, (laughs) I mean, kind of. Except for one. <laughs> Our lemon bro. Yeah. <laughs> so we open up with Take On Me and we get a phone call between Abby and Gretchen about Abby having a sexy dream about Father Morgan. And then we learn that Gretchen is going to be moving away. Um, we see both of their rooms and can see that Gretchen is pretty upper middle class and Abby is shown to be, I would say, solidly middle class. Yeah, definitely. She definitely seems like her family has less money than Gretchen's. Mm-hmm. But like she has a car. Right. Um, you know, like they live, they still live in a suburban neighborhood. It just seems a little outdated. Yeah, she. it doesn't seem like she's like suffering economically yeah. or anything, but just not up there. So I think right away, here's where the first big change was that I think really undercut this story because in the book opening also the book opens up with the exorcist is dead mm-hmm. like, oh right yes, yes that's right yeah 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 there's like there's playing with time in the book in a mm-hmm. way that doesn't happen in the movie that's right so you're already like what, what yeah that why um, and we get a little bit of their relationship but mostly we get how their friendship starts, which I think was really important to yes. establish this relationship. And so in the book, Abby has an E.T. party for her 10th birthday. She invites all her classmates and Margaret decides to have a horse riding party that same day. And everyone in her class decides to go to Margaret's party instead. And we get a scene where... Abby is kind of alone at the roller rink having this lame time, but Gretchen shows up um, and her parents make her give her a Bible, which we also established (laughs) that her parents are very religious. Um, And Abby is super upset. And then they have a conversation in the bathroom where Gretchen's like, hey, I didn't want to give you a Bible. I wanted to give you this cool like E.T. thing, but my parents made me give this to you. And Abby's like, oh, why did you even come to this party and she's like well you had it first like rules are rules that's the fair thing to do like you had your you announced your party first and yeah. it was pretty crappy of margaret to then decide to have her party on this day mm-hmm. so from then on they are inseparable and uh, at the roller rink the cute older boy tommy cox bumps into them uh bumps into abby she gets like a bump and he buys her like a cold coke and that makes them like the coolest people at school and like margaret yes. is so jealous 
Right, right. Margaret gets her comeuppance a little bit. <laughs> but then we get like from there, they were inseparable. Like Abby goes on family vacations with Gretchen's family. Like they spend the night at each other's houses all the time. It's like yeah. all of this character stuff that was not established. No, not in the movie. It's really just like a phone call where you're like, okay, they have a shorthand with each other that tells mm-hmm. us that they're best friends, but they could be like fleeting teenage best friends for all you know. There isn't really this like super like long lineage that's established. And that gets you more invested. Like you really, you, like you know people if you weren't one of them. I, I wasn't, but like who took vacations with their friend's family. Like, that's a big deal, you yeah. know? You're really, like, enmeshed in each other's lives at that stage, and you're not seeing that in the movie. Not at all. Did you have, like, a really close uh, a friend in high school? I know you guys moved, right? Yeah, we moved a lot. Um, In high school, I... You know what? I think I formed, like, my super close friendships in my, like, early 20s, and then I've had those now for like almost 20 years like I'm still super close friends with them but yeah I think moving like dinged me a little bit yeah. um what about As you it would. yeah right um I had a really close friend from middle school like it was kind of a big change like my parents divorced like we moved in with my stepdad and so like I started middle school and started like a totally new school and made a friend, Brianna, and we were friends, like very close friends up until like I left to go to private school. And we still kept in touch. Like, you know, yeah. we went to each other's graduations. She was a bridesmaid at my wedding. Um, That's nice. Yeah. So like I would say, yeah, we were we were pretty close. We spent the night at each other's house houses yeah. and cried watching like a walk to remember and steel magnolias and... <laughs> as it should be I mean honestly I had a friend like that when I was like young young and I think that's Mm -hmm. the last time of my like adolescent life it was like elementary school kind of stuff before um I ended up moving actually that friend is a famous author now um what yes her name is CJ Hauser I don't know if you've heard of her but she wrote The Crane Wife so it was an essay that was in I think the Paris Review like last year or something and then it became a book of essays and um she's really awesome and we keep in like you know very loose touch like luckily because social media is a thing we're friended up there um but yeah I mean we were like major besties uh when I was in like elementary school but since then I don't think I've had this sort of like Abby and Gretchen-esque like super close friendship that I think that most of the ingredients are really only there for when you are like a teen like that level of intensity um even though I like super love my friends who have had forever we haven't had that kind of like symbiosis super knit like maybe not the healthiest (laughs) necessarily kind of thing yeah I feel like we should have more like toxically close friendships in adulthood yeah you're right you know that's what I've been missing all this time (laughs) so then in the movie we see Abby and Gretchen walk into school holding hands and here I was waiting for the like I love you dearly but not queerly and it never happened I'm like because it's such a thing in the book yeah no it's weird it's not like they steered away from other things that aren't necessarily particularly 2022 you know what I mean like they say other stuff that's you know iffy Mm -hmm. um but yeah that did seem strange to like veer away from that in particular it did yeah because I'm like it's not like they went easy on like uh 
sapphic slurs <laughs> yeah right so like what's with them like joking you know jokingly saying that to each other? who knows oh i did write this uh when they're both getting ready for school we see that abby's dad is seeing a commercial for the jesus gym bros on the tv uh, we kind of get a little snippet that he's not doing great in the book we know that he lost his job and there's a bit more like physical stuff to say that like he gets really into fixing lawnmowers but then gives up and it like their yard is just full of lawnmowers mm-hmm. yeah i think grady hendrix does that really well where it's like this thing is being telegraphed but here's a physical thing to show the symptom of that yeah i think you're totally right about that and i also liked the lawnmower thing from the book because you know, like that's that's an image that's kind of familiar. Everybody has probably like driven by a house that's kind of like that, if not literally lawnmowers, you know, the sort of vibe. Um, and it was kind of cool to see inside that house and relate to those people. So Abby and her family and not just like completely other those sort of people. Mm-hmm. It just like makes it feel like a real world. It does. Um We also get the scene of Gretchen getting ready to leave and her dad is listening to like inspirational real estate sales tapes. Yep. (laughs) They seem to be working for him, honestly. (laughs) They're doing great. I saw the house. They have like a security system, I guess. I guess it's working. Who am I to Uh, laugh? Yeah. I mean, also seems like there's some generational wealth at play. Yeah. If I were to That sounds right. Yeah. Yep. Um... We got a scene of Abby and Gretchen sitting on her bed, ranking movies, and Gretchen's parents come in and kind of make this comment to Abby about how her feet are dirty and, like, ask her to wipe her feet before putting it on their furniture, which was, like, ugh. Mortifying. Yeah. Like, I would be mortified as Abby. The parents Mm -hmm. should be mortified for being, like, monstrous. Like, to point out anything about, like a teen girl's body in any way shame on you like there aren't enough problems like knocking around their heads shut it just put the friggin' comforter in the wash and move on yeah like i'm like it's a pretty solvable problem i need you to chill out um just be nice about it we do get a moment from the book where gretchen does i wrote finger guns but i feel like when i say finger guns people are like (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. picture in like (laughs) the happy finger guns like no she makes like yeah she mocks like shooting both of her parents and in the book it's kind of written as this like oh it's a little a little dark (laughs) and it plays that way i think in the movie too Mm -hmm. yeah but i think in the book because it's a bit more ambiguous it's kind of there to so like oh maybe gretchen had problems all along like this is the first instance of that right like there's i guess i hadn't thought about it that way but you're totally right like there's a little darkness already for whatever this demon is to latch on to it's not just a complete like white to black sort of transformation and then we have a scene at margaret's parents lake house with needle drop to i think we're alone now which i think is what they used in the trailer like a slowed down version mm-hmm. yeah i think you're right uh which i think great song choice for like a possession movie in the 80s a plus definitely i know and it reminded me of in um did you see the movie nope yes Okay, the use of sun, like, I don't know if it's called sunglasses at night or if it's called I wear my sunglasses at night, but there's like a slowed down creepy version of that and it worked so well. I loved it. And yeah, this was a similar, like, perfect creepy slow song. 
Yes. I I know it's probably overplayed, but I still am a sucker for like the creepy slowed down song for a horror movie trailer. <laughs> oh, I am too. Yeah. I. You know, I guess you're right. It probably is overplayed. But like there's something about, you know, something that's so familiar to us all that is almost homogenized. To hear that have like a sinister bent is like, ooh, like it's just sometimes things are just fun. You know what I mean? Like even if it's overplayed, it's still working. Yeah. Um, So Margaret Glee, Abby and Gretchen are playing with a Ouija board, which I believe is different from the book. I know at the Mm -hmm. top of the episode I said I've read this book three times, but (laughs) I do not remember all the details. I just put like question mark. Did this happen in the book? Because you Uh, have a human brain. I did not reread it, but I would also like to corroborate your memory of it. I don't think it happens in the book. I think that they uh straight up just like start doing acid and things happen from there. Yeah, that's that's what I thought, too. Um, I did not reread it for this episode, but I did an episode on the book two years ago. So I re-listened to that. So my source was still myself. Is you. (laughs) And my recalling of events. So it's like just a double watered down version. So I'm like, "Eh, I don't know if I trust that super well. Eh. Uh, But we see the Ouija board spell M-I-N. And then they hear a knocking at the closet. They make Abby go check. And Wallace, Margaret's boyfriend, is in there hiding. Uh... And then we see, as all that commotion is happening, we see the Ouija board move to like an E, so it spells out mine. Mm-hmm. It is a good use of the Ouija board. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we have Wallace suggest skinny dipping. To a what, what, what? Yes. First of all, yeah, absolutely mortifying. If I was if I was Margaret and my boyfriend suggested that my group of teen girlfriends go skinny dipping, we would be having some words. We would be having a intense private conversation. Absolutely, or not so private. Like, excuse <laughs> me. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, uh, can also say. 15-year-old me was probably a point where I was the most self-conscious of my body. And I think I, to use TikTok terminology, would rather <laughs> sit naked on a hot grill than go oh, yeah, skinny to right. in mixed company. <laughs> Absolutely. If I was having a lucid moment in my mid-teens and the skinny dipping was brought, no way, Jose. That's like mm-hmm. the worst thing that could possibly happen. Yes. Uh, in the movie... Wallace has brought LSD. Um, so in the book, it's Margaret's brother is the hookup, and Margaret's brother is a piece of crap person. Yeah, uh, we get like a little more into that. Like he's like a rapist and has been let off by the judge because he comes from a good family, and it's like, ugh, like he's. Ugh. Um, but in the book, they find it under a mattress at a Holiday Inn. Right. And, and they just—they find it enough for everyone, which is a score, I suppose. Yeah, um, but I remember there was a quote that was like, "One would think that if you found some drugs under a mattress in a hotel that someone was hiding, there's a chance they could be laced with something." But Abby was kind of a has- ha- glass half full kind of person. <laughs> <laughs> she marched into it with optimism, you know. Like free drugs. Um, <laughs> I mean, I I did that when I was a teenager, so I it rings true. 
<laughs> you take opportunities where you can get them. Yeah, exactly. So they take them. Gretchen asks Abby to be there for her in case she has a bad trip. So they kind of agree to be there for each other. Abby does not go in the water when everyone goes skinny dipping because of makeup. This is a a point that is made in the movie, which I think they did a good job with, is that Mm -hmm. Abby is very self-conscious about her acne and her skin. And so she wears makeup to cover that up. And that is very important to her. Also, I don't think they really get into this in the movie, but she takes a job at TCBY, like frozen yogurt, you know, so that she can make money to buy this makeup and to kind of make her room a sanctuary, you know, in this house, you know, where her dad is like struggling with depression. And, you know, she is, you know, comparing her home life to Gretchen's home life. Mm -hmm. And uh, she can kind of buy herself these little luxuries through this job. But makeup is one of them. And that is very important to her but yeah Margaret. sorry go ahead oh no i was just gonna say that um that scene in the movie was really sweet to me where she ran off and said that she didn't want to go in because she didn't have her makeup and gretchen was sort of comforting her i felt like mm-hmm. that spoke more to their friendship um than anything else in the movie it's so simple and it's you know only a minute long or something but just being able to be so vulnerable with another person about something that's such a deep insecurity of yours and not only just to like spill your guts about that one time or something like this is something that they've talked about multiple Mm -hmm. times in their friendship and they've probably had a similar conversation where abby is feeling insecure and gretchen is sort of like gassing her up and making her feel better like that felt really real to me and very very sweet yes yeah so i think that is one of the few moments where we do get to see that this friendship is like lived in i think we needed more of this but this is yeah working toward that right um so yeah she runs off because uh, margaret makes a comment and abby runs off gretchen follows they walk in the woods this is where they find the abandoned building and see a weird like throne made of branches like i don't know how to describe this it's like a weird it's like a th- throne that can like breathe like it like has some sort of thing in the middle of it that makes some sort of like corporeal movement i know it's like incredibly hard to describe but it's weird so they hear a noise they start running abby runs off gretchen trips and while abby is running away she hears gretchen's voice like behind her so she doesn't look back she just assumes gretchen is right beside her because i think the way Mm -hmm. we've been telegraphed it's like abby wouldn't have left Gretchen yeah. there alone mm-hmm, um, for and sure so and is... it seems like the the demon is like manipul- manipulating sound and manipulating their voices yeah so it leads right it leads Abby to believe that Gretchen's like right behind her so she hauls ass through the woods and she can still hear Gretchen's voice behind her in the woods even though it's not there yeah and then inside the cabin the demon's doing the same kind of thing to Gretchen where it's like throwing Abby's voice like all over the cabin so she keeps thinking that she's like in the next room or something but they're actually totally separate And we cut to Gretchen and we get a scene where you see part of her in a doorway on the floor and you see that she is like pulled back by something off screen that seems pretty obviously supernatural. Yeah, for sure. And um, in the book, I mentioned it earlier, but in the book, it is a bit more ambiguous because we don't see what happens to Gretchen. It's just kind of like Gretchen just runs off after they go skinny dipping and they go find her. Right. And she just looks like traumatized 
Yeah, no, and she went off by herself too. Mm-hmm. It's not that she and Abby were in the cabin, so yeah. you really have no perspective on what happened in there. So yeah, you don't know. So you don't throughout the book when her behavior starts getting weirder. You don't know if she's possessed. And I think that's a big part of the story is kind of the ambiguity as like Abby starts like taking bigger and bigger risks because she's sure that this is what's happening. You as the reader are like, is it happening though? Like, what if it isn't? What if she's just. Yeah. If this is just like a metaphor, like this Mm -hmm. possession is just a metaphor for like the weird personality changes and stuff that a lot of teenagers go through. You definitely do things that feel out of character, even for you in that time in your teen year sometimes, because it's just like this crazy storm of hormones and circumstance, like being around other kids all day in school. Like you, you end up acting possessed in some ways. So yeah, the book like really lets you as a reader wonder if that's what this whole thing is about and you're going to find out that there never was an Mm -hmm. exorcism and an exorcist if it was just like a story of teen Mm -hmm. adolescence and yeah there's like no ambiguity in the movie you're right yeah so as you're like watching abby do all this stuff you're always on her side and you're like yeah she's right she should be doing this yeah exactly like you we get to hear the demon in gretchen's head at one point which Mm -hmm. is something that is never done in the book and like way more overt than anything that was just like straight up written Mm -hmm. do you feel like um do you have an opinion about that like do you prefer the ambiguity from the book to the clearness in the movie or vice versa i think i prefer the ambiguity i i know there's a point in the book where it becomes pretty obvious that it's it's Mm -hmm. real i think it involves her like calling a boyfriend from camp and she like dials the number wrong and it's the demon talking to her oh yeah Um, yeah yeah. also okay there was a scene in the book um i think it's probably after here i don't i wouldn't know where it would fit in the movie but where yeah where gretchen um gets in trouble she's like grounded and she has her phone taken away so she asks abby to pick her up a phone at a thrift store and to drop it off while her mom is having book club and she like Gretchen comes downstairs and starts acting really strangely and starts singing like Dixie at the top of her lungs from the stairs and birds just start flying into the house and hitting the the window and in the book it says there's like a hundred dead birds on their lawn oh my so yeah, I mean, you can of course be like teen girls are mean sometimes, but that seems like something's afoot. Kristen, are you telling me that you've never had one of those days? You know, who among us hasn't had such an emotional outburst that it draws birds from all corners of the county? You're absolutely right. I don't know why I'm being coy. <laughs> We've all been there. Birds just launch themselves at your house and then it be yeah. it, it's a big mess. You have to clean up afterwards. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. And you're already in a bad mood, so it makes it even worse. Ugh. Yeah. After, like, they all go back for Gretchen, and she's just kind of like, where were you? And, you know, Abby's trying to be like, I thought you were right behind me. Uh, then we get the introduction of one of the best characters in this movie. We do get the Jesus Jimbros, as I have called yeah. them, the Lemon Brothers. Yep. We need them. Yeah. And this guy was perfect. The the oh, head absolutely. lemon brother was excellent in this. The private school I went to for my junior and senior year was like fundamentalist. So when we had people come and do like 
talks like this this would not have been allowed for a lot of reasons i think it was too edgy they were not wearing enough yeah. clothes like right but say those like, shorts had to yeah not been not. able to get on stage for you it was always kind of these like older people doing these old timey jokes that were just lame uh <laughs> that it's just like a lot of fun as opposed to the extremely cool <laughs> <laughs> no this made what we had seem so much cooler yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yes uh they do the the fun joke from the, the book which is like they start lifting it up and he's like sometimes like when i can't do a good like clean and jerk like i'll feel that like someone is helping me as i push my weight up and i say thank you jesus for taking my load and the <laughs> of course the crowd of high schoolers just like erupts into <laughs> snickers and like <laughs> chuckles so dumb and so good <laughs> In the book, I love that they call up Wallace and a bunch of guys to do like, all right, like, can you lift this up? But um, the the trick is they have to like put the weights in the shape of a cross to like get it up. And I'm like, of course, of course. Oh, my God. <laughs> Given big like teen Bible camp energy. Yeah, right, right. It's amazing. Uh, but Christian looks out and notices Gretchen's aversion to the cross. In the book, he does call it out and say, like, I see you there struggling with demon possession. And he, like, moves or, like, demonic something and, like, moves on to someone else. But, um, yeah, like, he calls it out. Well, because it's, like, every day for him. Like, it seems like you you would say, like, how can you just say that and move on to another person? But their whole shtick is that they deal with this stuff all the time, day in and day out. So for them, it's just noticing a demonic possession in the midst of a sweet show. Yeah. He has the gift of discernment. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Ever heard <laughs> of the it? Book, uh, in the book, I think Abby confronts him, after, like, immediately after the thing as they're, like, loading the stuff in the van, um, mm-hmm. so, which is a bit different than how it plays out in the movie. Uh, then we get a scene at lunch where Gretchen tells Wallace off and then projectile vomits on him. Um, Abby tries to talk to her parents about what's going on with Gretchen and Abby's parents tell her to stay out of it because she is scholarship. Right. Yeah, I was also a scholarship kid at my uh, Fundy private school. And yeah, it's not fun. <laughs> So you had to like step lightly, basically. <laughs> you don't like want to make a splash. Is that the deal? Yeah, because it, it is like, you know, we're pulling strings to be here. And mm-hmm. it wasn't like a full ride scholarship. They just made it cheaper. And they gave me like a bunch of different odd jobs to like make the difference. Like I had to sell candy outside of grocery stores. I had to like clean the bathrooms after school. I mean, luckily when everyone was like, I waited till everyone was gone. Cause that's more, oh, sure. you know? Yeah. Um, and I like took the football team's jerseys home to like wash. And like, you know, there was like church people. I like had to go over there and clean their house. Like it was just like a million things to do, but it's like, yeah, you don't want to step too out of line. Cause it's like, we're already, doing so much just to have you here right i mean that kind of sucks like Mm -hmm. i don't know is is it such a generous thing to offer somebody if you're then gonna hold it over their head like that kind of sucks yeah i'm sorry to hear that it's cool it's cool definitely i know it gets brought up in therapy (laughs) oh yeah look (laughs) we've all got our stuff that we bring to the couch (laughs) 
Well, it's like not only that, I was also like the public school girl. So it was already like they had their eye on me for like being a possible like bad influence. And I got like dress coded all the time. It was just like, how can it be both? You cannot think that the public school girl is a bad influence when you're also monopolizing all her time, making her wash the freaking football jerseys and clean the toilets. I mean, it was part of their big plan to keep me busy. So I would not have time to seduce. um, You wouldn't have time for sin boys that were there the you know my peers (laughs) right of course (laughs) when I said young boys I'm like okay let me just (laughs) no no I I knew what you meant I knew what you meant like and you were a young girl as well yeah yes (laughs) like I just feel like uh no one should take that clip out of context (laughs) I'm gonna sprinkle in some context in there I also (laughs) was a minor (laughs) and I was young (laughs) oh man but so you you relate to the plight of the scholarship kid being like, okay, yes. yeah, you shouldn't like do anything that draws attention that could maybe make them like yank your funding or something. Yes, that. But then I also relate to Gretchen's I like super in... religious, you know, yeah. parents that care about image. Right. I'm like I'm like, mm, there's a lot there. <sighs> yeah. Lot there I get. <laughs> it's just the worst parts of both those experiences. I'm like, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, exactly. No, I can see why this book would like extra resonate for you. Like their their personal Stephanie (laughs) Easter eggs in in this book in this story. I just gift it to my therapist. Yeah, (laughs) we just highlighted. I've highlighted some passages for you. Um, Here you go. (laughs) I think you'll find them illuminating. (laughs) We get a scene of Gretchen sleeping, and she sees something moving under the blanket. Uh, which is like another like it's blatantly supernatural right uh, then we cut back to school where a nun is talking about alcohol i think this is where she says like it's 180 proof it'll get you into a bad situation the cops are calling this rape juice I'm like yikes yeah, i know i definitely you know not that i wasn't engaged and like paying attention to the movie but i'm sure that my face went from normal to like whoa all right i'm like oh we're just saying that that is okay okay here we are um Gretchen keeps thinking that Wallace is touching her hair. She snaps at him and he's like, I'm, I don't know what's wrong with you. She asks to be excused to go to the bathroom, but the nun says, no, this is God's time. So Gretchen marches to the front of the class and pees in the trash can, which fight the power, Gretch, fight the power. <laughs> if she wasn't in the midst of a demonic possession, I feel like, yeah, girl, get it. Absolutely. <laughs> Show them. I know it's kind of a badass move. I'm sorry that it was at the influence of a demon, but still kind of awesome. Andrus is a feminist. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Feminist icon Andrus really showed up for us in this one. He did. 100%. It's like fight the power, Gretchen. Um, yeah. We see Abby drive by Gretchen's house as uh, Mr. Lang's like watering the lawn and she asks if Gretchen's okay. He tells her that she's fine, not to worry about her. But then we get a Gretchen jump scare where she runs out into the middle of the road and jumps into Abby's car. Yeah. Um, Gretchen starts telling her basically in a vague way, like what's going on with her. But she she just says that, you know, he comes to her at night and he's the reason that she can't shower. He won't let her do stuff like he won't let her take care of herself. Um, and so, you know, with this baffling information, Abby does come to a conclusion. She goes to, 
you know, a reliable source of the teen magazine. Mm-hmm. Sassy. Sassy. At a girl. Yeah. I was a big teen magazine person, so I got oh, this. Me too. Yeah. I was I was a, I was a, I was a big sassy person, 17 magazine. Um god, I don't know if you what what did you read? So, I remember I thought I was so cool because in 5th grade, my parents got me a subscription to Teen People and I would take Ooh. it to my elementary school and like read it like walking. <laughs> <laughs> I was so lame, guys. <laughs> everybody thought, was no that was, that was probably cool you know what i mean but i like definitely did like the hair flip like um i don't know about you 10 year olds but i am reading about like teen stuff because i am mature and better than all of you right i am a teen already and you are not <laughs> oh man i just remember thinking being a teenager was going to be the coolest thing in the world oh. um uh, oh, was, to have a, I remember having a locker was like a very big deal. That's a little bit younger than this kind of age, but moving from elementary to like middle school age and having a locker seems like so glamorous to me in a weird way. Yeah. So I was talking to my husband about this because my school did not have lockers in Southern California. Oh. Um, and I was kind of wondering like why that was. Like, I feel like maybe part of it was like the parents complained about the weight in their kids' backpacks. So instead we had all the copies of the textbooks at home and the teachers would have copies at school. So you would not need to like lug it back and forth. I got to tell you, I'm kind of into that um, because they would get super, super heavy. And sometimes it was like impossible to get to class on time, just like literally logistically to go trade books in your locker and then classes like far away. Mm -hmm. It's kind of ridiculous. So I got to say, even though lockers were cool, I'm kind of into the system that you had. Yeah. When I went to the private school, it was like a really small building. So we did have lockers. Yeah. Yeah. But so I did get to have that experience where I'm like, oh, printing out pictures and putting them in my locker. Yeah. It's such, I think anything that you get to decorate, particularly as a teen, is like it. It really is. Um, Yeah. So Abby reads a testimonial in a teen magazine about a girl who has been raped. And she's kind of talking about similar symptoms that Gretchen has said so we get a scene of Abby bringing this up with the Langs and saying hey I think there's a possibility Gretchen was raped like we took some LSD and she kind of ran off or you know we lost track of her and you know now she's saying all this stuff Mm -hmm. and their reaction is like absolutely not and she did drugs like that is what they're mad about yeah that's the main thing and like it seems like just kind of like protecting her image from there Yes. And this is also where they say, like, oh, we thought her being friends would be good for you. Kind of like, you know, we felt sorry for you. And we thought, like, you, Gretchen, would be, like, a good influence on you. But apparently not. Right. Um, It's so gross. What are you doing talking to a teenager that way? Adult? Like, what the hell is the matter with you? All the adults in this book are absolute garbage. In the book, I think it's worse because Mr. Lang um, says, he's like, it didn't happen. And if it did you can't tell anybody like keep it to yourself like no one is talking about it and then in the book they do take her to a a traumatizing uh doctor appointment to verify those claims Mm -hmm. yeah 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 um again something i'm fine with being left out for the movie yeah that's what i'm saying like yeah that was a choice where i'm like it's probably for the best but yeah Yeah. also in the book she kind of brings up like is it you like to Mm -hmm. mr lang she like says to mrs lang like are you covering for him like is it him Oh, boy. Because, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else she's supposed to say. Like, Gretchen no, says he comes into her room every night. Like, right. who and she's else talking logistically? About 
Yeah, and like saying he like prevents her from showering and stuff like yeah. that. Like who else is going to have that level of control and even just proximity? Like Mm-mm. it's it's an understandable conclusion to draw. Yeah, but in the book, I remember when it happened. It's so uncomfortable because at this point, you also like don't know what the information is, and you're like, "Oh no, you are going to isolate everyone." (laughs) Yeah, right. Like you're doing the right thing, but uh, maybe don't say that to their face. I don't know. Uh. Yeah, (laughs) right. Maybe a little more discretion. Ugh, it's just all awful. She then we then see Abby on a phone call with Glee, where she thinks maybe Wallace raped her and mm. in the book glee's like oh do you think you would say that if margaret was here <laughs> surprise guess who's been there the whole time of course on like a villainous three-way phone call margaret mm. awful does that happen to I you i know wait say that again oh no, uh, that no thank you? god no, no thank god i i definitely had three-way phone calls but i was never cornered like that were you no but it's chilling that's like one of the worst things like one of the worst low level things i can imagine happening as a teenager oh my gosh yes uh so now i mean we kind of get to the point where abby is now fully alone she's kind of ostracized everyone in her life so um we cut to school where they are having a kind of run through for the school carnival that they're doing this was changed from the book i think it's probably a good (laughs) A good thing. I also just kind of like the way the book it's Slave Day. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, and Gretchen buys Abby and just takes right. her into the bathroom and forces her to take her makeup off with Pond's cold cream. I think this was more effective, honestly. Yeah. Um, and I mean, in the book, it's like a dress that, like, yeah, like Slave Day was bad, and it was bad that they did it, and they just kind of quietly faced it away. Uh, yeah years later although okay i was a freshman in college in 2009 and the college i went to had like a high school that was kind of like attached to that school system um and so like some of the freshmen there went to that high school and they told me that they did a slave day isn't it crazy when you hear about things like that still happening yeah i mean not that that was today but you know anywhere in the proximity of your life like how yeah how is this possible i know i mean it's just it's crazy to me like i recently uh found out that there is a country club um because my husband went for an interview there where they have a separate men's dining room where no women are allowed to go into not even servers or anything like no women's staff and they have um they you know men's and women's locker rooms and the men's locker room is like multiple times huger than the women's just like this crazy imbalanced like misogynistic thing that is happening in 2022 and like the staff was joking about how the women complain about how the budget for their events is smaller like how is this happening like what year is this um i feel like they had to address this too on like the PGA tour because like some of the country clubs they went to, it was like men's only courses. Like women weren't even allowed to be on there. Like, oh, that rings a bell a little bit, right? Like you, you just can't believe that that's something that no. hasn't already been phased out. I yeah, you would be surprised. I think in these insular, because like I went to mm. a Fundy college, so it was already this like super insular community that just wasn't held accountable by any other like larger right force. Yeah, so, so they just they ugh. just keep doing what they've always yeah. been doing because uh-huh. nobody's like regulating it or something. No, absolutely not. Um, 
so just like in the book one thing that is like sad is that um abby's just kind of glad that gretchen is talking to her again and like she kind of gets excited when like gretchen buys her at slave day and you kind of see that she gets excited when she's like when she starts talking to her at the carnival and she volunteers them both for the dunk tank but then Mm -hmm. kind of backs out and says like oh you need to go in there but like don't worry i'll miss because abby of course doesn't want to get wet and ruin her makeup yeah also it sounds like um i mean i obviously read it from i don't remember it really it sounds like the thing that happens in the book where she demands that she takes off her makeup yeah. is also just more overtly cruel yes. than what happens in the movie because in the movie she could say like oh sorry i meant to miss and not get you in the dunk tank and not get your makeup messed up um as opposed to just being like this is what i am doing to you this is mm-hmm. all very specific in the book Yes, she does that. But then um, she does dunk Abby and then Abby comes out, obviously humiliated and soaking wet. And then Gretchen basically tells Father Morgan that Abby has dreams about him and Mm -hmm. maybe acts on those dreams. Active dreams. Yeah. (laughs) Dreams plus. Yeah. And obviously mortifying in front of the, you know, basically her whole class. Everyone also says it in the grossest, most 80s way. Yeah. Absolutely. I was like, oh my God. Although, okay, yeah, we talked about this earlier. In the book, Glee is the one that has a crush on Father Morgan. That right. is not an Abby thing. Uh, we'll get to that later, though, when we get to how she messes with Glee. Yeah. Um, but there's obviously, Abby runs to the bathroom. Gretchen runs after her and apologizes. And she's like, don't talk to me. Like, get away from mm-hmm. me. And she locks herself in the stall. And we hear the demon voice talking to Gretchen. And we see Gretchen, like, hitting her hand with a thumbtack. It's pretty gross. She's it is gross. This, like meaty part of her hand just like over and over again as she's apologizing and abby is basically saying like i don't don't talk to me yeah and so yeah like we see that gretchen is now kind of lost like her last friend mm-hmm. um we get a scene at the langs where their alarm goes off and we see both of the lang parents come down and work on the alarm trying to shut it off and we see at this point that Gretchen is now being fully possessed. We see that she is being held down. Um, and yeah, during all this, there's not like one of the parents doesn't go check on their only child. <laughs> like they're both no. just there pushing buttons like, huh, our alarm system's going off. Like, is it this code? Is it that code? No one checks to be like, is our daughter is okay? The- right. Is there maybe a reason that the alarm is going off yeah. that's not immediately apparent to us? I know it is really weird that they just both haul ass downstairs. I just wrote in my notes, they don't check on Gretchen. Yeah. What <laughs> Exclamation the hell? point. Um, so we see she's fully possessed now. The Mr. Lang opens the door and she's kind of in like this. She's at her desk facing away from him. But she's like, I'm fine. It's yeah, right. Fine. And she has been looking worse for wear. Yes. Let's say. Like she like they said that, you know, or like she said, like she hasn't been able to shower. So she just looks like super unkempt and like a little crusty. And now that the demon has fully taken over, she gets like a demon makeover and now she's all hot again. Yeah. So she goes into school looking all hot. It's fetal pig dissection day in the book. (laughs) Like they go to a lab and then Mm -hmm. Gretchen steals a fetal. I don't remember what it was. I don't know if it was. Did you have to do this in school? Um, at the public school, if I took anatomy, they were going to do cats. I'm sorry if that's upsetting to listeners, but, um, mm-hmm. no, yeah, I think, I, I think that's I something ha- that happens in a lot of schools. I don't think that's yeah. that unusual. 
Yeah. Um, but I had that anatomy teacher for another class unrelated and like the, the dead cats were just on trays, like, and we would just have to like slide them over <laughs> towards the wall. Oh my God. <laughs> Holy, Holy crap. Like, that's brutal like, dead cats I'm like okay <laughs> this is and then Gretchen kind of starts turning everyone against each other um, mm-hmm. she tells Glee uh, that Margaret has a crush on her and she's basically she just can't tell her and so Glee kind of outs herself to Margaret who laughs at her and she's like I do not like you that way um, uh, it's so is, cruel it's like so on all cruel. fronts and also Margaret is a total monster she is well Margaret gets, she gets her hers. weight loss shakes. Uh, and in the book, we do get a bit more background about how, like, that is something that Margaret is self-conscious about, like her parents who, you know, are body shame her. Right. Um, so it's something that she wants to do. Um, in the book, Gretchen fakes love letters from Father Morgan to Glee, where Glee, you know, kind of also, like, talks to Father Morgan and is like, hey, I've got your letters. And he says, right. I don't I don't know what you're talking about. And she um, is so distraught that she tries to jump off of uh, the school. I think it's like mm-hmm. a bell tower or a clock tower. It's like some yeah. high, high yes. spot. Um, An iconic high spot of a town. Yeah. yeah. It was funny. Um, I remember in school, I took a tour of UCLA. <laughs> And they pointed out like a bell tower and they're like, that was in one of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. I'm like, it's the third one. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> You're like, I'm home. There's like more that goes into that. Like in the book, it's a bit more convoluted. So I do think they cleaned it up a little better uh, because like Abby gets Gretchen's diary where she says that she faked letters from Father Morgan and she was going to give that to Father Morgan as proof to exonerate him. But then Gretchen comes and takes it back. So now she has nothing like it's a it's a bit more. It's a whole thing. Yeah. So I do think they cleaned it up for the movie. Mm. It's like, no, this yeah, is it's like it is. it is tidier and quicker mm-hmm. this way. Uh, so yeah, Margaret takes weight loss shakes. She basically starts wasting away. We see Gretchen is dating Wallace. Abby goes to visit Margaret um, and she has some frozen yogurt for her, of course, because she works there. Mm-hmm. And we do get the, I think when people think of my best friend's exorcism, this is the iconic scene that they think yeah. of. Yeah. I think that's probably true. Probably this and the exorcism itself, maybe to a lesser degree, but mm-hmm. this is disgusting. Again, I'm a baby in the book. This grossed me out so badly. And seeing it on film, I was like, oh, God, I'm remembering what happens. Oh, God. Wait, so I love freaking. And I remember gross. the first time I heard this, I was like, oh, hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is. I can see it's objective. Uh, I can see that's awesome with objectivity. Um, that like, this is a wild thing to have happened. <laughs> it's also f- disgusting. I feel like in the book, there was a lot of description of it being like, thick which i don't need yeah well she's like i she pushes away the yogurt and she's like i can't like the smell of food makes me sick and she kind of puts it right by her face and we see that she starts gagging and she starts gagging up a worm (laughs) like its head pokes out of her mouth and starts like looking around then the dog max comes in bites the worm and basically yanks it out in the book it's a 30 foot worm like it is like Ugh. an obnoxious amount and it wasn't right. the only one like she had to go to the hospital because right um, like in the book it, they were like tapeworm eggs and yeah. you're only supposed to take like one 
And she had been drinking like multiple a day. Like so dozens. She, yeah. So she had what is the plural for <laughs> the plural of tapeworms? A nest, yeah. a, a murder, a muddle of tapeworms. Oh, God, a nest. <laughs> In her oh. stomach. I hate, I hate that the tapeworm inside her body can smell the TCBY and comes yeah. out to get it. This is so disgusting. Oh, my gosh. Did you guys have a TCBY? We, we did. Yeah, I remember when we were, like, kids, like, it, like little kids. There was definitely a TCBY by us. Did you have one? I remember hearing commercials for it, and then... I remember one time we went on a road trip and I saw one and I was like, oh, they're like a real place. Yeah, this isn't, that's not just like a, a show that only lasts one minute. That's <laughs> just, really and I was like, oh, like there are TCBYs out in the world, just not by us. <laughs> I uh, could go for a TCBY today. Maybe it's, are they with still all around? these reboots, what was that? Are they still around? I bet they're not. I, I don't think that I've yeah. seen or heard yeah. hide nor hair of a TCBY, but I do really enjoy frozen yogurt. Um, so I could get into it. It does seem like a relic of like 80s diet culture, though. Yeah, I can't imagine they're around. Then we have a scene where Gretchen tries to poison Glee by giving her a brownie with like nuts in it, despite her having an allergy. She tries to hereditary her. She really gives it to Glee. I mean, not that it wasn't horrendous to have a tapeworm, but like Glee is already in like complete humiliation and distress Mm -hmm. at having outed herself and been like brutally rebuffed by Margaret Mm -hmm. um, who says like I don't know what she said but she definitely says something crappy to her that like makes her feel terrible and then she's trying she gets like murdered by a brownie like this girl's having the worst day yeah so Abby kind of sees this and connects the dots that this was Gretchen's doing we then see that she sees Christian at the mall and she's like hey are you one of the Lemon Brothers and he's like holding a cross that says Lemon Brothers. <laughs> yeah, like, holding like a giant, like, you know, uh, standard size cross, like lugging like, it down the escalator. Yeah. Um, so she she talks to him and tries to basically convince him to do an exorcism. And this, I mean, we know that she brought Margaret TCBY, but it really hasn't been established that <laughs> Abby works there, which I feel like right. was a big part of the book and a big part of like her identity and her freedom. Uh, and she just kind of says like, oh, like I can give you a punch card. And it was like, at this point in the movie, I was like, oh, yeah, she works there. (laughs) Right. Yeah, that's why she has like a hookup for punch cards. Yeah. But no, they they never say it. It's really just more kind of like an Easter egg for the book, which is kind of strange because you're right. It is so central to her. It seems like it might have been, I don't know, even just a line dropped. Yeah. Just to be like, readers will know. Yeah, right. I was the hookup for my college for... TCBY. Well, I went to a funny college, so movies were not allowed. But I had a friend who stopped by the college on his way back from being deployed and he gifted me his hard drive. So I just had (laughs) like You were the bad girl. I I was. I hate to prove everyone right that was rooting for me uh, right (laughs) a little bit ago. (laughs) All of those meanies from your school earlier who thought you'd be a bad influence were right. That's true. I had a line of girls outside my dorm with flash drives um, that would come in and ask for like homework. um, And I would be like downloading Twilight onto their hard drives and various Catherine Heigl movies. That was a big Catherine Heigl assance. It was like Killers, (laughs) Life as We Know It, uh, Two for the Money, or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) The Stephanie Plum book. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not a ton of horror movies. I think there was the new Nightmare on Elm Street and the Hills Have Eyes remake. 
So. I mean, it's you're going to get a random assortment yeah. when somebody just sort of like drops off a flash drive. Yeah. It's like my, uh, my sisters used to go to Canal Street and they sold DVDs like bootlegs on the street. And it would just be like a piece of printer paper that has the DVD cover printed out on it that is then folded around the DVD and sealed in plastic to sell. And it'd just be like a stack of DVDs that were completely <laughs> random. <laughs> Yeah, it just is funny. I had, like, the entirety of Heroes, too. Like, it was just, like, a very (laughs) random assortment of, like, whatever this guy got on his hard drive in Afghanistan, you know? It's catch as catch can. It's, like, Big Mama's House, The Born Identity, and Black Swan. (laughs) Yeah, I did have Black Swan on there. Yeah, Black Swan was definitely one they got on Canal Street. That must have, I guess it was really making the rounds for a while. Yeah, it it was big at the time. Yeah. Um, so they do make their plan to kidnap Gretchen and take her to Margaret's lake house. Uh, we are spared the dog death in yes. the movie version, which I know a lot of people were happy about. I think that was one of the first questions that I saw everywhere. It's like, oh no, does the dog die in the do movie? Do I have to see that? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I did not mind that being skipped at all. Um, I think in the book we learned that it's GHB that is drugged in her Diet Coke. That is like what knocks her out. Yeah, that sounds right. I'm like, I do not know uh, enough about drugs. I did not have an exciting adolescence. Look, I kind of did, and you're fine. <laughs> Wish I didn't, honestly. So. The, the exciting thing for me was, like, giving girls bootleg versions of Twilight. So. <laughs> honestly, aspirational. If I could trade, I would be have, done, have been doing that. So we get the scene where uh, they are exercising her, and Christian is just, like, throwing salt at her and, you know, kind of doing, like, exorcism stuff at her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is my like toxic trait that like when I watch these, I'm like, I feel like I could survive an exorcism. Like if I wasn't possessed, like it's just people throwing stuff at you and yelling at you. And then I was like, yeah, no, why do I think that I could? <laughs> I don't know that that's toxic. I think you're probably right because you're right. If it comes down to it and it really is just like a false thing. You're right. It is. It would suck. But you could survive people like f- like throwing salt at you and stuff. Although he does basically like waterboard her with um yeah that's the holy part where water I was like, that uh, one maybe not. Well, in the book too, he tries to like level it up to ammonia, and that's when Gretchen's like, or no, that's when Abby's like, I'm not. I'm gonna pretend I couldn't find this. We're putting this away. Yes. Honestly, no, it's like I work in, in customer movie. service. If people just yell at me all day, like I got it. Yeah, you're made of <laughs> Been strong there, stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Look, people basically try to exercise me every day on the phone. So it's like, whatever. <laughs> um, in So in the movie, when he was pouring the holy water down her throat with like a funnel, I actually thought it was the ammonia at first because it's in oh, yeah. basically like a big ammonia bottle. Yeah. But then you see that it's labeled um, holy water. So at first I was like, oh man like what the hell's gonna happen here and not that the water isn't super unpleasant but when i saw the label i was like okay they didn't like they decided to just omit that we get a scene where the demon becomes christian's mother and she's like starts out being loving but then it kind of gets more sinister she like blames him for her death and then bursts into the worst cgi flames i have ever seen and he gets like really moments here yeah Oh, yeah. I forgot. There was some like fun, fun exorcism moments. We do get hot damn. We got ourselves a demon. Um, and then at the mall, he's like, this isn't your usual puke and rebuke. <laughs> oh my God. I love that. I love like the cockiness that he has and like the faux professionalism where he's acting like, oh, yeah, this is just another day for me. It's not your, what is it, average puke and rebuke or whatever. <laughs> Like, this is just the language of his nine to five. But then yeah. when things get hairy during the actual exorcism, he's like, I'm out of here. He clearly doesn't yeah. know the deal. Yeah. 
And also he protein loads. He has yeah. the chicken breast. Yes. That was like, I was like, I'm like, they better have that one detail from the book where this yeah. man eats a chicken breast from a Ziploc bag. Because it's so of- funny. It's so funny and so small and so perfect. But that's what I mean. And Grady Hendrix does those like small character moments that are like perfect. Like, yes. A hundred percent. Yes. That's what happens. So like we get, you know, like uh, Abby says the demon's name. Christian gets mad at her. But after like the bad CGI flames, Christian kind of like runs out of their pieces out, gives her the Bible. And he's like, you're on your own. Then Gretchen gets out. They end up in the abandoned place where they were. And uh, Gretchen or Abby starts reading like the Bible and trying to exercise her. But it is not working. Like Gretchen is laughing at her. But then she kind of switches to doing the friendship exorcism, which like this is the part that just feels unearned. It definitely does. It feels unearned. It feels flat somehow. And I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that um, it's flat performance wise necessarily. Just like everything is off. It doesn't have that feel of like an epic crescendo that happens in things sometimes. It's just sort of like just sort of saying words, you know, and it's it's supposed to be that she is. Um, using all these things that are like so meaningful to her and their friendship and like talking about memories like um, you know like I rebuke you in the it's not this but like in the name of vacations to Jamaica yeah in in the name of Phil Collins like whatever and she is saying those things but they're not things that we've seen yes that's the big thing yeah she's like referencing going on vacation with her family it's like we haven't seen anything about that or heard about that like there hasn't been a reference to that occurring before and so it just, we do see this weird E.T. looking thing come out of Gretchen. Yeah. Um, Maybe that's yeah. an Easter egg that it's like yeah. E.T. It's not really, I'm kidding. But yeah, like, no. it does look like little and wormy and like E.T. like. Yeah, it's like short and squat. Yeah. Abby finds like a bottle of alcohol and she has like a cool line where she's like 180 proof. Easy to get yourself into a bad situation or out of one. And she takes a swig and holds it in her mouth and has a lighter and like spits it out at andras and like lights him on fire and i just wrote this should have been cooler yes but it's because we don't zoom in on her she says this like just like in the background in a in the frame she's just lost in the frame as she's like doing this cool thing and saying this like cool line and it's just like a lost moment I think you're so right about that. I think that they probably wanted to capture the demon and Mm -hmm. Gretchen and Abby all in that shot. But because of that, like she's not getting her hero shot when she's creating a flamethrower with her mouth. So, yeah, we get that. She, you know, we see that she like gets rid of Andrus. um, And then it just kind of like goes to Gretchen moving out in the book. This is much more dramatic because like Mm -hmm. the police come like she gets in trouble for like all kinds of things. And the exorcist comes forward and takes the blame for everything. Um, He I think has to go to jail for five months or something Mm -hmm. small. Uh, But she's off the hook. Abby's family moves to New Jersey and they just have to like they they obviously can't show their face around that community anymore. Right. Yeah. Like this is in the movie. It's something that's just like basically a secret between the two of them. And there's no consequence. No consequence. Nobody knows about it or anything. But in the book, it's something that is absolutely urban legend fodder for that town for Mm -hmm. like all the rest of time. Yeah. I feel like in the movie, it seems like Abby is really invested into this friendship with Gretchen, but it doesn't seem like it goes the other mm-hmm. way in the book we get a bit more of that and afterwards when 
Abby moves away, Gretchen steals her parents' car to drive to New Jersey from South Carolina. And that could have been like an epic movie scene. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. the same, you know what would have been cool? The same way that you were talking about her kind of like running out of nowhere earlier in the movie where she's um, kind of like in the early throes of possession and runs into Abby's car. If we had kind of a parallel scene of her like hauling ass out of her house and jumping into her parents' car to then go drive to Abby um, with like maybe a sweet 80s song playing, that would be like really awesome and exciting and honestly kind of like a parallel for a romantic moment in another movie like where somebody is like, you know what? No. I have to get to her. And yeah. you have that kind of swell of emotion that could have been here. And you do feel that kind of emotion in the book in a different yeah. way than I'm describing. But still, you feel that intensity. Yeah, well, it's like their yeah their parents were trying to keep them apart and like keep their correspondence. Like they were throwing away letters from each other. And it's like, no, you can't keep them apart because their friendship is that strong. Yeah. Yeah, like in the book, the exorcism that she says is like, yeah, the, it's so powerful. And she like, says like i love you gretchen lane like dearly but not queerly like by the power of phil collins and like tommy cox's can of cola like it's all the callbacks yeah. to things we've had in the book it's like i rebuke you yeah it's it's, just... it's really like sweet and mm-hmm. and also just awesome it's also just like badass it's both of those things yeah it really is um and then we just kind of get a shot of like gretchen's family moving away uh you know they're gonna stay in touch and then we get like different character like teen movie like this person went on to do this like wallace had this happen glee became a ambassador for people with nut allergies our margaret was passionate about or like a body image yeah body positivity and it's like okay yeah fine i know i think that they wanted to leave it on well, obviously they wanted to. They leave things on a note of like somewhat ambiguity between Abby and Gretchen where, you know, she's moving away. And it's the 80s. So you don't necessarily have like texting and stuff where it's as easy to keep in touch. Um, but then you're losing all of like the richness of their future friendship from the book and replacing yes. all of that with this kind of like, I don't know, like half hearted epilogue stuff for the other characters who were never super, super important anyway. Um, it was kind of a letdown. <sighs> it was. In the book ending, too, Abby finds the exorcist and he basically tells her that, like, he forgives her. He's, like, working at a senior center doing, like, fitness, like, you know, yeah. aquatic, like, <laughs> fitness yeah. classes. Jazzercise uh, and stuff. Yeah. It kind of, you know, they, at the beginning, it's kind of like, you know, they fell out of touch. Like, you know, one month became two months, became, like, Facebook likes, became, you know. Mm-hmm. But then at the end, and I think this is what people love about the book abby gets they get back in touch like um after a divorce like gretchen really helps abby with her baby like um as she gets sick like gretchen is at her bedside and like coordinating the visits with her husband and her daughter and is like there with her on her deathbed and uh they always said they would make it to like Haley's comet and then like the last line of the book is like they tried to they didn't make it to Haley's comet but they tried and it's like, here. Uh, I know. I know. Dear, that dear, just dear. made me, I just felt that again. Like, it's so sweet. Yes. Uh, and I'm like, that was taken from us in this. Because right. I don't know, they didn't want to cast old and young Abby and Gretchen, I guess. I don't know. I also think it could very well be a logistics thing. Like, yeah. That. Like, it opens up sort of a can of worms production wise, uh, but yeah. it really is like, 
Oh, such a such an important and memorable part of the book that it definitely feels like a loss. Uh, so those are our thoughts on the 2022 Amazon Prime original film, My Best Friend's Rest right. <laughs> Worth a watch. It's not going to yeah. like, it's probably not going to like completely knock your socks off, but nah. you know, it's a perfectly serviceable movie to watch, especially in October. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Libro FM. Libro FM is the first and only company which lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 150,000 audiobooks, including bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers. You'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But you'll be part of a different story, one that supports community. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to get more books into your busy life. Listen during your commute, while doing chores, walking the dog, or just relaxing at home. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro FM app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations and curated lists from people who know audiobooks best. Booksellers. I mean, and us. We also have a playlist on there full of books that have been recommended on this podcast. Books in the Freezer special offer, you get two audiobooks for the price of one, just $14.99, with your first month of membership using code FREEZERBOOK. This offer is valid for new members in Canada and the United States. Thank you, Libro FM, for supporting the show. Creston, have you been enjoying anything in horror lately? Um, it is horror adjacent. Um, there's at least still an epi- in a you know, an air of mystery about it. I'm very into Murder, She Wrote, which is streaming on Peacock. And I had literally never seen before until probably three months ago or something. And now I am totally hooked. I want to move to Cabot Cove. And um, it's most of what I'm watching lately. It's, it's I'm going to have to break it up for October because there are a lot of new horror movies that I want to mm-hmm. watch. But I've been deep in Murder, She Wrote. That sounds so cozy. Well, I know you guys are doing Slashtober, which is very exciting. I get very excited when you guys do your, like, October themes. Yeah. Because you guys did Cagetober, was that last year? Yep, yep. Last year we did Cagetober on Guides to the Unknown, where we just watched a ton of uh, Nicolas Cage movies. And um, it got got old for us (laughs) as practitioners, practitioners of the art. Um, we definitely were like, did we make a mistake midway through? And also last October was a month with five Fridays in it, which is our That's show release right. day. Yeah. And that came as a surprise. Um, so it was a lot. But um, we did just, you know, regular old Slashtober before that. And so we are returning to that format. This is Slashtober the reboot this year. And we are doing a theme of originals versus remakes. So, um, yeah, I'm going to be like, I'm very ensconced in all of that sort of stuff and it's very fun we did uh chucky this past week or like child's play Mm. and then the lineup is friday the 13th psycho and halloween so it should be a lot of fun okay i am a bit of a remake apologist so oh me too (laughs) yeah yeah no i love a remake so i think i'm probably gonna be for the most part like pretty firmly on the side of like this does not suck (laughs) yeah okay that's good because I probably am also on that side too. Yeah, um, I've been doing. I always decide to do this like two days into October, uh, but I want to do Hooptober this year, which is like a movie challenge that's on Letterboxd, and it's yep. like very intense. 
Uh, but the idea is you're, you got to watch like 31 movies that kind of fit into the different like challenges. Like it's like eight countries, like six decades, you know, watch like movies by this director. Watch a movie about old people being bad. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I've kind of been like trying to do that and like kind of fit my moving but because of that like one of the prompts was like two insect centered horror movies and i was like that's not a subgenre i dive into often right um, so i watched the fly for the first time i've actually never seen the fly how was it it was very good i kind of everybody says it. it is yeah it was one of those things where i'm like i feel like i got it like everyone posts like the iconic scenes like I don't yeah know, man i feel like it's in the zeitgeist i i've got it um, yeah, like just no, by like, there was more to it. I liked it. I was like, okay, no, this was very good. Uh, I do like David Cronenberg and body horror, so yeah, it's good. A peak, peak Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis, though. So. Oh my God, no question. I mean, I haven't mm -hmm. seen it, but again, it's just like we all kind of know the fly. Yeah. Um, sight unseen, I can absolutely agree with you. They definitely were at like full power. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and then I watched Mimic. You oh, that? I think I have seen that. Like, not in a really long time, but I, I, I definitely 90s. watched that on, like, TNT. Oh. Yeah, that it seems like a TNT. It gave TNT rerun energy. Yeah, um, yeah. It was a Guillermo del Toro movie about, like, cockroaches in the New York sewers. And I'm like, this feels like Guillermo del Toro doing an X-Files episode. Like, a species of cockroach that, like, we engineered to wipe out a bad species of cockroach, but, like, went away from us. And now they're just, like giant mutant cockroaches in the sewers attacking people and like mira yeah. sorvino is a specialized like entomologist right that's such a good description of something like some it being like guillermo del toro by way of the x-files like it's hard to miss it just seems like a very x-files plot i'm like I it definitely like does <laughs> yeah it totally does so was that good uh, it was a bit less memorable than The Fly, but it wasn't bad. Like, I was like, this yeah. is decent. This is fine. Like, I'm not mad I watched it, but it's like three and a half stars, you know? Yeah, right. I mean, so I, I, kinda... I got that. I got that challenge done. Yeah, exactly. You can check that off. I kind of love a good sort of like middling mm -hmm. thing. You know I what I mean? They're too. usually kind of easy watching, which I appreciate more and more lately. Who knows if that will, you know, kind of a pendulum will swing. But I, I kind of really enjoy watching something that's like yeah this is okay yeah it's fine like it's i guess the time. art i'm saying is okay but my experience is very often like an a i i think i'm with you there yeah um, i think i have like my movies where i'm like this movie is fine but if you look at my letterbox like i've rewatched this movie like seven times so you would think this right. is like a favorite movie for me i'm like no it's just i don't know it's fine <laughs> Yeah, it's fine. And it's like comfortable to yeah. watch, you know, like, you know, what's coming. It's entertaining, mm -hmm. but also like, you're not going to be super jarred. There's a lot to be said for that, I think. Yeah, like one of the challenges, like the directors that are listed, it's like Ty West. Um, mm -hmm. I just don't want to spend rental money on X right now. Um, so I was yeah. like, I'll watch The Innkeepers, which is a movie. Every time I watch it, I'm like, it waddles between two and a half and three stars but i've watched it like five times so <laughs> where i'm like this movie is i don't know aggressively just fine maybe it's like it's not that it's good it's good yeah. to watch yeah that's there's a it. difference and like some of my favorite media is for sure good to watch yeah. but not good so i'm with you yeah well do you have a final girl song for us Kristen? 
I do. Um, I was listening to it before we decided to do this episode and I was like, okay, if I ever go back on Books in the Freezer, this is going to be my final girl song. It is Cause I Love You by Lizzo. Um, this has like a very kind of like bombastic horn section that I feel like would be awesome for like, I don't know, rising from a grave or like climbing back over a hill holding an axe. Um, It's like a real good like pump them up sort of song. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, Lizzo, I feel like does bring a lot of final girl energy. So I am excited to add that to the list. Yeah, I think that it's going to play nicely in there. I think so, too. Yeah. All right. Well, Kristen, where can people find you online? You can find me on Guide to the Unknown, which is the podcast that I host with my brother, Will. And it comes out every Friday. It's on, um, you know, all podcast apps. You can also watch the video version at youtube.com slash gttupod. And you can find us all over social media at gttupod. And you can also find me at Chillin' Kristen on social media. Yeah. And I definitely recommend tuning in this month for Slashtober because those are fun. Thank you. And it's like, even when you guys disagree with my opinion, which does happen a lot, where I'm like, oh, I love that movie. I can't wait to hear them talk about it. And you guys are both like, it's terrible. And I'm like, okay, you do make some good points. (laughs) You know what? Even when one of us thinks something is terrible, we usually like can find something that we like kind of appreciate about it. Or we're like, genuinely, even when I think something for me sucks, I'm like, I wish that I liked it. Like, I'm envious of the people who like this. I want people to enjoy things. Um, So we try not to just flat out. It's not even trying. Like, I just, I have no interest in just, like, straight up, like, poo-pooing things that people like. Yeah. Um, So that may happen. Uh, But, you know, you get a little chuckle. Yeah. It's fun. (laughs) It's worth it. Um, The Rob Zombie Halloween might be a toughie. I'm not a fan, so... Uh, okay. Oh. You do like some Rob Zombie though, right? Am I remembering? Uh, I okay. oh, I could just be wrong. No, I do like Lords of Salem and we watched it okay. with the Patreon group and they all hated it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> oh, all right. all right. I'll just be over here watching it seven times. It's fine. <laughs> Honestly, it's like a perfect movie to have on mute. I just think it's like very pretty. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I, I get it. You all, make, one, so you all I can't... make good points. Uh, yeah, right. I'm still, I don't hate it. <laughs> I like I don't, what I like. I, don't I said like, what I said. I do not like House of a Thousand Corpses. And I DNF'd the Halloween. Everyone says Ugh. Halloween 2 is pretty good. But I just have not. I remember. see. I, I haven't seen it since I saw it in the theater. Because I am a masochist as a horror fan. I just like sometimes need to. Actually, I think today I wouldn't go to the theater to see that. I think Will somehow wrote me into that when it came out back in the day. I think maybe Eh, that's not true. I was going to say today I wouldn't, but I would for the show. Anyway, I remember seeing both Halloween and Halloween 2 in the theater, and I wanted to leave Halloween 2, and Will was not into leaving, so I you sat through the whole thing. But if independently, I also would have DNF'd that. It's not for me. Yeah. I don't know. His style is a little abrasive at times for me. Yeah. I mean, I anything I've seen has not been my cuppa. <laughs> <laughs> you never you certainly never know um but it's just bleh, makes me feel bad you yeah know? that's definitely how you feel it's like yeah i just i, I feel, feel bad I feel and sick and grimy like grimy is how i feel yes yes 
And people, some people super enjoy that, like, they griminess. They do. And I love hearing them talk about it. Like, there's a lot of people yeah. who, like, whose opinions I respect that are, like, these are, this is a Twitter thread about why Halloween is an underrated masterpiece. And I'll read all oh, of it and be yeah. like, cool. Oh, and I'm also easily swayed. Like, I'm a real, like, flipperty gibbet. So I, I can, like, really dislike something. And then I could read that Twitter thread and be like, you know what? They make great points. It actually, it probably does deserve an Oscar. You know what? It was robbed. Why don't we? Yeah. Right. Robbed zombie. Yeah. All right. Well, so Kristen, thank you so much for coming on and talking with me about this thank movie. Thank you. I, I love forcing you into friendship and in increments um, in between just like chatting online by doing these things. I love talking to you. So yeah, thank you for I, having me. Anyone that wants to be my friend has to do homework to do it. So <laughs> that's where my life is. <laughs> Anytime, any day. Well, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Books in the Freezer is a bi-weekly podcast. We post episodes every other Tuesday. You can find us on Twitter at Books Freezer Pod, on Instagram at Books in the Freezer, on TikTok at Books in the Freezer, or you can send us an email at booksinthefreezer at gmail.com. If you're looking for a way to support the podcast, there are a few ways to do that. One of them is to click on the affiliate links listed in the show notes. Uh, you can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash books in the freezer. There's a one, three and a $5 level, different perks listed for each level, things from early episode releases to group chats, movie nights, bonus episodes, all that type of stuff. So check that out if that sounds interesting to you, but you don't need to spend any money to show your support for the podcast, sharing about it on social media, leaving a review on a site like Spotify or Apple Podcasts is also huge. Um, even just participating in like books in the freezer reading challenges and posting about it is huge to like, you know, small indie podcasts like this one. Word of mouth is big. So big thank you to all of you who have taken time to do that already. I'm Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter at lady underscore Ganya. That's L-A-D-Y underscore G-A-G-N-O-N. And see you next time on Books in the Freezer. <laughs>